ground. We're back. Another week. Another great guest. Old friend. You know him from Pool Kids. You knew him from You Blew It. You still know him from Dikembe. Andy and I on the pod. What's up, Andy? How you guys doing? Good. You didn't say pool. I said Pool Kids. Yeah, but you didn't say pool. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> Your side project, that's, pool. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the secret one. That's the secret yeah it's I said, sick i listened to it today i didn't i i didn't know about that until today actually i think dan told me but i, I didn't did know that until today when it, it came out good. uh yeah great idea i love fun. i love backing a seven inch with with your own other band yeah uh that was our drummer cadence idea he was like i think after so we did like two songs as pool like for mm-hmm. april fool's day like 2019 and after that was like pretty well received he's like you know what the next step is we got to do a split with ourselves and everyone thought it was <laughs> the like logical a, next step <laughs> yeah like he's always got like some some crazy ideas but that one like it just wore us down after a couple years and we were like you know what we have like one song that didn't make it onto our full length and we have these ideas to like redo a couple of the other ones like you know npr tiny desk versions mm-hmm. i guess and uh yeah we were just like you know what this what better time than now to do that so i mean there, there's a point there um so now a couple of years from now you're gonna be like so we wore us down we did a full length here you yeah go. <laughs> it's it'll it'll be a double album yeah <laughs> gatefold a double 10 yeah. inch uh, yeah. oh, the double 10 inch Oh, uh, that'd be a move. But yeah, it's uh <laughs> Pool Kids uh I I I'm a little I was late to the boat, admittedly. And then I finally put it on and it's 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 just crazy good. There's so much mashup of so much different stuff. <laughs> how did how cuz I mean, you were in you blew it for years. That's how we met. Then you joined Dikembe. Uh how did that come about other than just being being there? for uh for pool kids or for dikembe Uh, Dikembe. so dikembe came about like in 2017 when it seemed like everything was sort of like winding down for you blew it Mm um you know steven and i are 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 very close friends like the those guys are like some of my best closest oldest friends especially like in this world like the music world and um you know, they had been playing as a three piece for about a year and a half, I want to say, or like mm-hmm. almost two years. And they were just like, you should just play guitar in our band. Like you can do whatever the fuck you want. And yeah. I was like, well, that sounds pretty fun and like easy because everyone was in Florida and it wasn't going to be like a long distance kind of project. So I uh, jumped on board and, you know, it took us a, a couple years to like write enough material for, for a full length, but we, we put one out in 2020 and yeah, it's just been, it's been super fun. It's like a, one of those creative outlets where we're like not concerned at all about like the outside perception, like what people will think, like we have our, our fan base and like, if it grows, that's great. But like, we're not super concerned with like, Oh man, I I hope so and so writes about it, or you know, where like kind of all the like bullshit side yeah. of of music is is really turned down in our world, and yeah. we're just able to do whatever we want, whenever we want. So that's pretty do, awesome. 
do you think that like the the less you're concerned about it the easier it is like that kind of stuff like if you if you go into a job interview when you already have a job it's like i don't fucking care about this <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> yeah i mean i think you know the concerns are just really different you know mm. there's still like stresses and stuff like it you know we for example we just did a tour where you know we were in two cars and that was stressful like that doesn't normally happen to any of my other bands because we either have a van or rent a van yeah and you know like that was stressful but we made it work and the shows were fun so at the end of the day like that's what it's all about two cars sounds kind of sick to be honest it it was crazy because like i did that it was dikembe into pool kids also doing that because the rental van that we normally take was uh you know, blocked off for the time that we needed it. So we were like, okay, like, let's see if we can do this again. And yeah, yeah, it was, that was annoying, but it it was kind of funny at the same time. Yeah. The, um, I, I I was looking through your, your Instagram recently and I love that rock and roll. David is still called rock and roll. David. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, a, A moniker that will, that will live forever. Uh, was that was that coined during that tour that we were on like 100 percent? okay because he was definitely rock and roll david on that tour yeah yeah and if if he was rock and roll david beforehand i just i just didn't understand but after that tour like having (laughs) you know it was you blew it and dikembe in one van we became very very close oh yeah and and very oh yeah there was a lot of uh intimacy so it was uh <laughs> it was something we we all learned a lot about each other like yeah. day one i was telling like crazy stories just to break the ice and it, it was it was a, a really amazing time that was the first tour that i ever went on so oh shit okay yeah that, that, that was, was a hell of a tour because uh, yeah. I, I sent you a picture from that tour before we uh started recording a, a little bit ago and it was uh, yeah, it was you bullet into Kembe and Dad's doing like a northeast tour, literally yeah. starting on New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> and I I was working at I was f- pretty fresh out of college at that point and I was working at a retirement community where our employee contract was up December 31st. Like I I literally just worked in the clubhouse of retirement community and like fucked off. Uh-huh. And just like watch movies and made sure the place didn't burn down, yeah. and they didn't renew the the staffing contract for the next year. So my boss tried to get me. He's like, "I need you to work the New Year's Eve party," and I'm like, "Okay, but what happens at midnight when I don't have a job anymore? I'm not staying around to clean up, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like what's the f-? and then." Uh, I ended up calling out and going on tour instead. <laughs> and, yeah, good, uh, good call because that was yeah. a, a fun, crazy time. Yeah, the first night was at the Handsome Woman in Connecticut. Yep. Uh, yep. I remember Chris Teddy, or no, I guess it was Nicole, was baptizing everyone with beer, and everyone yep. had to get beer poured down the back of their neck. Mm. It uh, was it was <laughs> insane. What a, I a mean, crazy and you place. think about like you know that was a like a basement show with. I don't know maybe there was like 50 people there like not in bands like generous yeah. amount like yeah yeah you know it was probably less vegan but chili like, on the countertop <laughs> yeah it, it, it's just like i don't think people you know i'm sure everyone will say this like as you go back like generation of band to generation but like 
that was just a really unique time because if you know that the whole like emo revival thing hadn't like broken like across you know social media yet or whatever and it, it was just like kind of wild west vibe oh, it yeah. was sick though yeah and it was also unbelievably cold it was so cold <laughs> it was, it was and, you know I'm a, I'm a miami boy and that was like shocking to me how cold oh, yeah. it was everywhere yeah, but, <laughs> the bus full of florida florida boys was uh was rough especially we had that one show in rhode island after yep. where what it was that some like it was called squid amps squid amps yeah and they were like a like, niche amp it was manufacturer with a practice it, space essentially yeah they had a uh, like weak teeth practiced there there mm-hmm. were like a bunch of bands that all practiced in that building but i'm pretty was, sure it, that band polaris practiced okay. there the the band that does like the uh pete and pete theme song Wait, really? <laughs> I, sh- I swear oh I swear. my god that's cool yeah, but, it was yeah. it was literally it was, it was frigid. It was in like an old warehouse complex yeah. and the wind was just whipping through. Oh, the heat also went out in dad's van. So we didn't have heat the entire time. It was blowing uh coolant, like aerosol coolant through the vents when your heater core goes. So we're wiping down the windshield every 5 minutes with an old t-shirt. Because there's just that. a film of oil on the inside. Mm. That's, that's that's not terribly dangerous. Yeah, driving at night was a blast. Uh, that yeah. was super cool. Uh, and everything, and just wearing you know, our winter dark coats like, the entire time. Yeah, yeah. And on top of it, like the sun is gone at like three fifteen. Mm. Yep. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other other stuff that. I, well, half of the uh, dad's full length American Radass was named from parts of that tour. Yep. Uh, including Big Bag of Sandwiches. Big Bag of Sandwiches. <laughs> Which uh, started at that, that Rhode was... Island show because yep. a guy gave us a... He came up to me and was like, hey, I work at some boutique sandwich shop and we just throw this shit away. Do you want it? And he just handed us literally three dozen sandwiches in a big clear garbage bag. We, we were eating them for days afterward, we too. We ate it was them like... for the rest of the tour. The last day yeah. of that tour is when we had the food fight during the show. Yeah. Wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Yeah. How long was this tour? It was a week. I don't. You, you gotta you gotta remember that our vans were essentially refrigerators. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's true. true. I guess it's cold. <laughs> yeah, the heat because you were in like an old school bus or something, right? It was a uh like a GMC Safari or something. Like one of those like early nineties conversion vans. That's right. With okay. like a hydraulic bench in the back that folded oh, down into the oh, most yes. uncomfortable bed you could uh-huh. possibly imagine. Oh my god. I gotta tell uh, like I feel like our first tour van was a was a conversion van and that like queen size when it when it folded down in the back mm-hmm. that was like the most comfortable thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. tell you how many how many like mosquito infested fests i laid on that and slept on that and felt yep. fucking awful yeah i i, I uh, love it Miss when it. i did the tour of the major league they had a conversion van with a fold down back seat and i slept like a goddamn baby that trip goddamn baby you <laughs> are a goddamn baby so that <laughs> Listen, makes sense when i was like tour managing i was the one who got the couch okay like <laughs> you know how i know you weren't a good tour manager because you called yourself a tour manager and not a tm <laughs> <laughs> I also um, didn't have a printer that fit into a flight case either, so that's true. That's uh, true. Andy, are you in uh Miami right now? No, I'm in uh Melbourne Beach. It's where I've been living for the last like 
six and a half, like almost seven years. Sick. Um, I love it. I love it there. Yeah, it's it's a very like chill town. There's not a whole I, lot going on. I grew up very um, close to there. Oh yeah, where where about? I grew up in Palm Bay. Okay, yeah, that, I right grew across up, the water. As in, like I lived there till I was eleven. So yeah, all the there will be years. no monuments to me in Palm Bay. But yeah, uh, they, you you were uh, yeah you were a man. You became yeah, a man like, there. <laughs> I became my <laughs> bris was there. Um, <laughs> You know, I gotta be honest, like it's that's a not a bad place to be. It's it's great if you are content with like just living a very relaxed lifestyle, yeah. which is fine. Like oh, yeah. you know, my wife and I are are, are happy here, but I, I would like... be lying if if I said like I didn't want to go see a show like every other night and right. like that can be a like lot of... a problem. There's not a lot of cultural touch points there. No, um, no, <laughs> actually. But, but I like I think that that sort of takes the stress off. You know what I mean? It's like when yeah. you have a job interview, but you already have a job. You know? Hey, <laughs> that's a, that's an analogy that's going to be coming up multiple times this episode. It yeah. is. <laughs> that and why the fuck would he do that with a guitar? But we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> But, what, uh, what, are your, what, do you, what do you do down there? Like fucking hang out, go down to Sebastian Inlet and just put your feet in. <laughs> what are we talking about? I, I live on Melbourne Beach, so I'm like like 500 feet from the sand. Damn, um, it's it's nice. How, I don't take advantage of that. Let's go see it. Oh man, it sucks <laughs> out here. It's really it's really quite pitiful. But you know, like we have our our handful of, of restaurants that we like to go to mm. and. We just chill, you know. It's a it's a very easygoing lifestyle. I travel a lot with all the bands, obviously. So it's not like I I have like a a, a real longing for you know city lifestyle or anything like that. Because I'm you know when I'm with pool kids, we're practicing in Chicago. That's like where our home base is. Oh and shit! Really? Yeah, yeah. The the girls lived there for like the last three years. They just both moved out, but we kept our practice space and like the. The van that we rent is out of Chicago, so it's just like it's also in the middle. So, let's say a tour starts on the West Coast, it's like not terrible to get to. Or if the mm-hmm. tour starts in whatever New York, DC, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, it's it's fine, you know. So how did how did Pool Kids come about? So they were a band before before I had any involvement. They were okay, kind of playing around Florida for a year or so, and then they put out an album in 2018 and um or maybe it was no i think it was 2018 um that's at least when skeletal lightning like put it out gotcha. but i had i had played with them a few times like they opened for dikembe um i played in another band called super haunted from time to time and they played with super haunted and i was always really impressed by them i thought they were like super gifted musicians and just like really nice friendly like i don't know they were like lovely to be around and um christine the singer uh started dating one of my best friends and so she was around a lot more and we became closer and i kind of heard through the grapevine that they needed a uh fill-in guitar player and she kind of hit me up about it was like would you be interested and you know i i credit my my good friend uh lon bashiri who uh recorded their first full length like he kind of pushed them into like asking me 
And yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful for that because, uh, the first tour I did with them worked out really great. And they asked me to be part of the band and yeah, it's just been awesome since then. So were they originally you know, a three piece? They had another guitar. They actually had two other guitar players at different times. Mm-hmm. And, um, they started out as a two piece. Like the first record is just Christine and Caden. Christine played all the non drums instruments. So she played the bass, did all the guitar work, singing, obviously. And, um, yeah, they added Nicolette after the album had come out. And then they had, uh, this dude, Alex playing guitar for a little while, super nice, like jazzy sort of guitar player. And then they had this person, Nick playing guitar for a while, also a really talented musician, but they were just having trouble, like holding on to people. You know how it is. It's, it's hard to find somebody who like really is like about that life and is a, like a, a true road dog. And I feel like I am certainly about it i i've been like with the exception of like the covid break like i've toured every single year since 2011 at like pretty steadily so i don't really see any slowing down yeah that gig life as much as my body wants to (laughs) it it definitely gets tougher as you get older sleeping in certain places and certain ways i was gonna uh, say like uh, the bangovers are a lot more intense and uh the yeah it was just it, it really is like a young person's game unfortunately <laughs> especially at like the at the level that we tore at yeah still so yeah it but was I'm hanging it was, in there i'm tough <laughs> that uh that that reminds me of one more anecdote from that uh from that dad's you blew it to kembe tour was that house in binghamton was one of the wildest nights ever and like and like i feel like there wasn't that much quote-unquote like partying in the emo revival scene no uh, not, that not was a, very a party crew house party so i might have i think i brought it up on this pod at some point just over the, the years because it, it was such a crazy night but it was this kid's house in binghamton i believe it was Al, uh alan chapman i think i know he's one of the I... people who lived there because i took his picture at that night wasted and it came and that became the dad's american yes, Redass album cover yes. i think he might have lived in that house i'm not entirely sure but I, i'm not sure either but but i, I remember the, the the sharpie on the face like uh-huh. i remember all of that well uh, yeah they, they gave us like homemade alcohol that they produced that they first thing we walked in the door they handed us like homemade vodka mm. and then Scott immediately threw up. <laughs> the yeah, second it touched was... his lips. Uh, we were mixing vodka into Coors Light 40s at some point. It was one of those nights where that seems like a good idea. Yeah, uh, I remember everyone was sick. Every single person on that tour was sick. Uh, yeah. So uh, all the singers were drinking honey and lemon juice. Yes. For their throats. And so long story short, the show's going on and on. Uh dad's is about to play it's now 12 30 night and this is a house in a residential neighborhood it's like yeah. the burbs in binghamton new york and the cops burst in the door <laughs> and scream because it's the first thing they see is the merch table is a bunch of honey bears and lemon <laughs> like the little like lemon squeezers from the the produce aisle and the cops go everybody take your honey and your lemon and get the hell out of here i'll <laughs> never forget it it's, stop it's, laughing at him yeah i've been saying it for 
11 years or 12 years now. <laughs> get your honey and your lemon and get the hell out of here. <laughs> and was everyone's amazing. wasted and we had nowhere to go. And we were also sleeping there. So we like we all went to the diner and crowd surfed Scott through the diner yelling damage plan. Do you remember the uh, the guy, the one lone employee that was like working the, the grill was uh-huh. smoking a cigarette? <laughs> I don't remember that. I felt like I went back in time, like it going was... into that place. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, I I just remember being more wasted than I've ever been in a in like maybe in in my life. I don't know. It was it was definitely one for the books because I remember I bought when we were in Alston a few days before. I bought that giant that giant beer, Baltica Number Nine. Oh yeah, and it, it's a fifty one ounce beer, mm. and it was eight percent. was impressive. And it was 8%. Eight it looks like a... No, no, it was 8%, it, but it was 51 ounces. It was crazy. It, Baltica it number 9. It looked like a bottle of liquor. It looked like a fancy bottle of liquor. Yeah, it was a big I, plastic I bottle, though. But, uh, yeah, what that... What was it called? One more time. Baltica number 9. And, uh, yeah, there was actually a picture. Someone had my camera most of that Jesus night. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it, it actually was not a bad beer. Uh, it tasted pretty good. It was a double lager, I think it's called. It's, it's nuts. But I drank that whole thing as well as a bunch of vodka. There was a picture that someone took of me throwing up in the street that would have been the back cover of the dad's record that it mysteriously got deleted. <laughs> but now I kind of wish I had it, but... There's a that was a fucking insane, insane night. The cops burst in. Yeah. I remember I slept under a table. Didn't oh cattle drums played that night too. Yeah, there there was a fight. I don't know if you remember the fight that happened in the no, kitchen. Okay, so anything. do you recall that there was a bathroom in the kitchen that was like sectioned off with like a sheet? <laughs> there was no door. There okay. was no door. There was just like it. It essentially looked like a like a checkerboard like sheet like you, yeah. like a tablecloth like you would t- see at an italian restaurant <laughs> yeah and there was a fight that broke out because two guys went in there and i kid you not they were arguing over the size of their manhood oh, and nice. a fight <laughs> broke out okay i do not remember i'll, I'll never forget it because i i had to ask several people like for, for verification I you're was like, like bro what is about going dicks? on seriously i was <laughs> I was really invested, <laughs> but yeah, this this girl burst out of the the back door and she was like crying and she's like, "I hate when my friends fight." So on top of that, they were also friends. Yeah, this is like just... a, a thing that happens regularly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I remember, like, in years since, like, I've thought about like individual characters from that evening. Mm-hmm. I'm just, like, there's got to be, you know. There's got to be prison sentences. There's so got to be. Happened. Yeah, like I want like I, a, I can't American graffiti style. Where are they now at the end? Yeah, <laughs> we need it. Oh man, that was yeah. That was like one of the closest nights to like partying on tour that I've ever had. Be- yeah, and- uh, it, it was a full blown like house party, like yeah. kegger craziness oh, and yeah cattle drums that was the first time i had ever heard of them i was oh, so good. blown away stick stick band yeah all, uh, all of my photos from their set are like heavy fogged over because it got so hot when they played yeah and this is the middle of winter it was it was yeah insane what a what a time 
Yeah. What a time. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> speaking of photos, though, uh, Andy, you've been dabbling in uh, in some film photography lately too, haven't you? I have. Yeah. Yeah. What's your it's... What's your rig looking like? So I had been using, um, you know, the, my first like real camera, like m- many people who are uh, dabbling in the in the film stuff, was a uh, a Pentax K one thousand. Classic. I guess. Every every student photographer has one. It was my mom's. It's, it's a tank, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's awesome. Uh, but I went from that to uh, a Canon SureShot Tele eighty point and shoot, okay. and I love that camera so much. And I thought I broke it, so I recently replaced it with a Contax TVS. Ooh. And uh, I gotta say, like I'm I'm not as impressed with the. Uh, the the image quality as i thought it was going to be now i will say that there's probably like a little bit of a learning curve and maybe i just need to put a few more rolls through it but uh i did also find out that my sure shot is not broken so nice. i'll be using both of those for for a while i think nice yeah no the yeah. Uh, those canon sure shots are fantastic i think i have the fixed lens version of that somewhere uh but they're nice. great and then yeah. uh I mean, I I can't stop buying them, but they also can't stop breaking. I, the the Shika T four is usually my go to okay. for for everything. Yeah. I, so that was that was a uh, a camera that I was looking at as well because you know they also have the uh, the Zeiss like mm-hmm. lenses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I eventually will probably get one of those as well. I'm going to Japan next month, so I I plan on doing a lot of uh, camera shopping. Oh yeah, they got plenty of that stuff over there. Those yeah. camera shops yeah. in in Japan are unreal. Yeah, but, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I promised myself I wouldn't buy more cameras off of Shop Goodwill, um, because the last one I bought a Konica Big Mini just for fun. Oh, so nice. I always wanted one, and I shot a whole roll of like all kinds of stuff, like a month worth of shit, including like b- behind the scenes photos of my friend's wedding that I was in. Mm-hmm. And then I got the roll back, and every single frame without a flash, the flash didn't line up. And then there's a 20 frame blank gap right in the middle. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing pain. was shot. The whole there was one photo that came out on the entire roll, and uh, I threw that camera directly in the trash. <laughs> yeah, I, the, but then the last issue... night I bought another Yashica T4 off of Shop Goodwill uh, as like a last ditch. Like, oh, let me put in a bid real quick. Where it was right at yeah. the end, and it, then it accepted, and I was just like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of almost know, I, didn't want to didn't want this to go through. What but, uh what'd you pay for it if you don't mind my asking? Uh, it's after like tax and shipping it was like $335. Okay. Which so is not that's a good price for them, but the last no, two yeah, yeah, I yeah. bought off Shop Goodwill lasted two rolls and then broke. So. Uh, but that's the way to you know don't base a large portion of your career off of a uh, 30 year old piece of pieces yeah, of plastic de- is honest, my dead, dead format dead format um, yeah <laughs> i i've been meaning to talk to you about this because i know you're into cameras i got a new camera like two years ago did you yeah it's uh iphone uh <laughs> 14 <laughs> pro max works pretty well it fits in my pocket nicely it takes okay photos oh man i'm not a fucking nerd i fell but... for that too god damn it <laughs> <laughs> no. So I, uh, I actually sold my last my last thrifted camera for an awful lot of money, an awful yeah. lot more than I spent on it for sure. It was a oh, Yashica. Yeah. Was it? 
Yeah, it was an FX3 Super 2000. I don't know what that is. It's a camera. Sounds crazy, though. Made by Yushika. Zeiss Lens. I knew knew some of what you're talking about. (laughs) So, uh, Andy. Yeah? I hear your your parents love Pearl Jam. Is that true? It's it's so true. Yo, let's talk Pearl Jam. What's your favorite (laughs) Pearl Jam album? Uh, Mine is Versus, for sure. Versus is Uh, mine also. Versus, I mean... The first five records, like perfect. Yeah. Uh, you know, ten versus mythology, no code, mm-hmm. yield. Mm-hmm. Five perfect records in a row, in, in my opinion. I know That's I'm true. like indoctrinated, but <laughs> yeah, I uh, I love them so much. I I like some of their kind of shitty albums. Um, I just yeah, they're they are the rock band to me, and. Uh, yeah, I was actually just talking to my mom today uh, about Pearl Jam, and she was like, "Oh, the rumors, they're they're blah blah blah." Like she's deep in it, you know. She's they, on the forums. Pearl... I love that. Oh yeah, she on the street uh, team. She has seen them like fifty plus times. So. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, yeah, like they like we've gone on family vacations like with the specific purpose to see Pearl Jam. God, so. that fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was raised by like rockers and they're like you know they're they're music appreciators across the board um you know they yeah they they didn't play music but they had a lot of music like playing in the house you know they're not musicians what i'm trying to say and uh they you know they were children of the 80s they were 25 when they had me in 1989 so you know kind of perfect age to go from like new wave post-punk like that kind of stuff in the late 70s early 80s into like the grunge thing which was like really their generation like speaking to them and uh yeah i i got super lucky to have you know all that stuff playing in my house and then you know you throw in like neil young and springsteen u2 and all that stuff talking heads rem like that was all huge for, your parents for me go growing to your up. shows now fuck yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah they uh they've you know it's it's kind of rare that we play in florida just because tours tend to ignore the state like often but we've gotten to like play in front of them and you know they they travel to see me so it's cool they actually saw me play at uh at the, the at pier 19 and um oh fuck. is it called pier 19 or is it pier 17 i think it's I, pier 17, I can't ever remember I, I can't ever remember <laughs> i think i'm the one who's been getting it wrong i think it's pier 17 i think you're right but, uh, yeah they, but, they came yeah. up and they saw the mountain goats show uh that was fucking awesome you know they were hanging out backstage and it was just like a, a cool experience it was That's a really it. really special night so yeah, no, yeah. I mean that that venue is no joke. It's it's right on the end of the seaport. It's the view yeah. from the it's on the rooftop, and you see the, yeah. the all the bridges, and it's, it's it was beautiful. A, it was a beautiful night. You know, Mountain Goats are an incredible band, and that's a, a band that like you know some of the bands that I tour with, they'll be like, oh, like they're they're fine, and some bands are like, oh, I don't really I don't really get this, but like it seems like everyone's having fun, so yeah, we're having fun. Well, that's, but, uh, that's what yeah, to Mountain Goats about. was awesome with pool kids is i feel like there's so many it's it's drawing from influences from 
uh, emo at large, but from so many specific areas. Like, yeah. there's a lot of, like, you're doing a lot of, like, tap guitar kind of work, like, uh, well, I was thinking, like, Invalids or This Town Needs Guns kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then mixed yeah. with, like, Midwest emo, mixed with, like, Paramore almost, kind of yeah. pop punk. Like, how do you even, like, begin to write for that kind of stuff? It's crazy. <laughs> it breaks, like, I mean, it hurts my head in terms of thinking about how that works. It's interesting because I feel like for the first album, Christine was like really set on like showcasing, like, you know, the fact that she has like the fucking chops, you yeah. know? And I think it was like almost, you know, I, I'm not sure if, if I'm speaking for her correctly or not, but you know, when they were trying to like get shows in their early or, you know, in their infancy, they were having a lot of issues like getting noticed and stuff. And so, they started throwing shows like at the house that they lived at and hosting bands and like really trying to like ingrain themselves into yeah. the, like the culture surrounding it. So she was also trying to say like, yo, like I can play too. Like, look at this, like listen yeah, to yeah. it. Like, so she, she had the chops and she kind of like laid the foundation for like the mathy side of things. Caden as well, obviously sick drummer. And, um, you know, they laid that foundation. And then when it was time to like write a follow-up, the touring that we had done was with like, we did a short tour with mom jeans and we did a tour. Like the first big tour we did was with the wonder years. And it was like wonder years, Spanish love songs, free throw. So we're playing first every night. We're playing this like hyper noodly, like, you know, no, no click track like we're all kind of like flying around on our instruments and i think she was like okay like this is this is cool but it's like clearly like there's like a limit to like how many people are gonna like appreciate this Mm -hmm. and so you know she started coming up with songs that were a little bit more like verse chorus verse chorus bridge you know like standard pop rock form or whatever pop song format and from there she'll bring a demo in and everyone kind of comes in with like ideas for like how to pick this apart and i feel like my job in the band is sort of like okay how can we spice this part up so that's where i bring in like my like kind of technical guitar playing side and say like okay we can do this for a couple measures and then go straight back to like you know the normal, yeah. Record kind of rock. Might not know you're a, you're a shredder, absolute so. shredder. <laughs> I think everybody knows. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I I appreciate that. Lots great, of uh, great hair too. If I can be honest, <laughs> thank you. As a as a man of of uh, of hair going, I can say you got you got that going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found I found I, I think I was sort of intimidated by the band at first to be honest like it's um there's a lot of directions at once and uh yeah i think i had to like really sit down and listen to it and it's like a very rewarding listen you know that Thanks. that that first record um is incredible i think i think the audio tree uh session is also unbelievably good thank you um, as that was super fun for us to do that yeah. was yeah, like yeah. it's like a dream a few, you, you know they Christine literally has a lyric in the first album that's like something about watching TTNG, who you mentioned, Mm -hmm. 
watching TTNG, T, TTNG audio tree session. And it's like, it's just, it was a really cool, like full circle moment for, which is a for legendary to to, session too. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like that was also that moment for us was, was huge because it was kind of like the first thing that all four of us had like put like everything we had into, like there yeah. was no, there was the album was just Christine and Caden. So mm-hmm. hearing the four of us, like on like a pretty well-recorded like format and like seeing it, it really like helped uh, expand our, our audience a, l- a little bit. Yeah. And I also so that think that, that um, the, the energy is so much different. I mean, like, obviously, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's all, that's all music. That's the basis of music. But like, um hearing those songs uh live recorded is i i mean i i keep saying rewarding it's a very rewarding listen it feels real good there's um, there certain audio tree sessions that are my favorite output of a band oh like, that's interesting i'm so glad you brought that up dan uh i was about to ask what everybody's favorite audio tree <laughs> sessions were Andy, uh, i've got, go got, got so many uh, yeah, yeah. give me your top three top three uh Yaucha for sure. They're like a grimy metal, like they're almost like like death metal y at times. It's it's just extreme hardcore, like mm. fucked up, noisy, heavy nastiness. They're amazing. Uh that audio tree is mind blowing. It's so fucking good. Uh Terra Melos, that's Ooh. one of my favorite bands of all time. Nick Reinhardt is one of my guitar heroes and and those guys like i i have become friendly with and that's awesome yeah that that's like crazy Uh, i went down a a terramelis hole because there's a there's a video a compilation of them playing live it's just like terramelis craziest live moments oh yeah i i just i just saw that on twitter not too long ago (laughs) it's so good it's it's like 20 minutes from like yep you know, the early, early days of Terramelo. So like oh four to like oh seven or something. And all the performances are fucking bananas. Yeah, I the, love that video. That, I think I, I stumbled upon it because they had that one clip of them. I think Daniel Danger posted it. But it was uh that them playing some like college community center or something. It's a big like glass room and they're just like flying all over the fucking floor yeah. while playing the most <laughs> unreal stuff on guitar and like not yeah. skipping a beat. And yeah. playing like harder than like a like a metal band. It's nuts. Yeah, I they're, I love that band. And yeah, that's that's a a really cool compilation. If uh, anybody is interested, uh, check it out. YouTube. Yeah, I think it's like Terramelos <laughs> early days comp or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, man, there's so many good audio trees. I'm gonna I'm gonna say four just because. Just, you can do just an cause. honorable mention. Yeah. 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 I, so uh, there's a band from. Uh, my town uh they're called jillian carter and they're like they're somewhere at the crossroads of like like true screamo and like a metal band their audio tree like the first time we watched it like it literally brought tears to my eyes they're just like such an incredible band and like they're great people they're very very close friends of of pool kids and uh, their guitar player Logan is a, a very good friend of mine. So, like watching them just absolutely 
destroy their audio tree i was like he's like literally like hanging from a pipe at one point oh my god i didn't even i didn't even know like there were pipes in that building like he's just a madman what, he plays a guitar solo with a, a jillian carter jillian carter all right yeah he plays a guitar solo with a fucking screwdriver like instead of a slide <laughs> it's it's awesome and then uh the fourth one is uh zeta uh, i'm not sure if y'all are familiar with them no, but no. they're like Oh my gosh. I think that's the best live band playing today in the world. Like they, there's something that happens when they play that like everybody watching them just becomes like hypnotized and transfixed on this like psychedelic heavy groove thing. Um, I, I've always like people are very quick to say like, Oh, they're kind of like the Mars Volta. And it's like sort of become a meme within the band. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 we're like Mars Volta, right? But <laughs> I, I think that's like, it's selling them so short. Like, yes, there's like a little bit of a Mars Volta thing going on, but their music is is so much more like, I, I don't know. It's It like transcends anything else that I, I've ever like experienced live. It's, that's, it's that's funny because to like be compared to Mars Volta and be like, that's selling it short. <laughs> like that's that, it's, crazy. it's crazy, but <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And like I've, I've seen them play a lot of times. So they're originally from Venezuela and they're kind of like stuck in the United States right now. Like oh, wow. they like can't go back, you know, mm. and they tour. like, if you go on their Instagram, you will be like baffled by the amount of shows that they play every year. Like for the like the last five years, I want to say they've been hitting it harder than any other band that I know. They're also good friends, but they, yeah, like so, a friend of mine and I went to go see them once, and when they were done, we kind of looked at each other and we were like, mm-hmm. you know, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but we we looked at each other and we're like, dude, this is this must be the feeling of what it was like to see like Pink Floyd in nineteen seventy. <laughs> Like there's just like something that they do that is, it's like amazing. Like people that don't even like the sound of the music that they make become like overcome with emotion watching them because they just play like, like their lives depend on it. It's really like a beautiful and awe-inspiring thing. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Do you know who I felt the same way about? Elizabeth, Elizabeth color wheel. Elizabeth oh, Color Wheel. You yeah. lost your mind when you saw them. Yeah, the first when I saw them, they toured with Jerome's Dream um, on oh, that last sick. tour, and it was like I've never seen anything like it. I was mm-hmm. very high, but I was like <laughs> crying what, at the show. Was, oh, it was good. I mean, not like was this falling, like, but was this during like the Jerome's Dream like kind of reunion in the last few years? Yeah, this was last okay. year. Had uh, okay. no earlier this year probably. I Man, missed it wasn't too Jerome's Dream at Fest. On. This year, I was very disappointed. Yeah, they're incredible. Uh, Dan, audio tree, quick. Uh, I think <laughs> the one I, re- I revisit probably the most is the Pine Grove one. It's like, I'm, I'm, not a huge, Pine Grove. I'm not a huge Pine Grove fan, but there's something about that audio tree that I think is the best versions of those songs. Mm. Um, there's been so many ways that I feel like not enough people know about. They're from Chicago or were from Chicago. They're one of the bands that toured with that uh, major league tour we did down south, and they were not great to tour with, but they were an incredible band. 
they were literally like, oh, actually, we found a different show to play tonight. So we're going to play that one instead. And then that. our show would get That's canceled. So ballsy. I think, that, they were, I think they were a Florida it, band at one point and then became a Chicago band. That's but, crazy. Yeah, we, we were supposed to play like Jupiter, Florida or something. And they're like, oh, Yikes. yeah. Our friend is pl- is is throwing a show. We're gonna play that one instead. I mean that they made the right move. Oh, they actually sure. did because instead we were gonna play Hoops Tavern or whatever in fucking downtown oh, Orlando. Nice dude. Uh, and we got we, we got pocket change and uh and drink tickets, but. <laughs> hey, you were lucky to get some drink tickets. That was me when I was TMing, and I called. I'm like, no, the show needs to happen. Our previous two yeah. shows also got canceled. We need drink tickets. <laughs> we need something. It's important. But uh, but yeah. So many ways they're like a hardcore punk band, but incredible, incredible technical guitar work. Uh, the one guitarist is now in Census Fail now, but their uh, their two guitarists are just like unreal shredders, hmm. mixed with like such gold style like hardcore punk. And then uh, I guess the other one has to be that first now now audio tree. Oh, that it's one so is goddamn good. good. I didn't even think yeah. about that one. Yeah, it's so heavy too. Oh, then they play God, magnet. What a fucking band. Oh. Andrew, what are your three? Real quick. Um, I the Jerome's Dream one from this year is fucking Ooh. real good. Um, I didn't I think even that, know they had one. Yeah, it's it's unreal. I think that like, especially in a live session, it's really hard to like capture the energy of heavy, like aggressive music. And I think that they do it so so perfectly. Um, but that session's really good. Um, I think weekly I listen to the Creepoid one. I Great think band. Creepoid's probably one of my top ten bands, like just incredible. Um and the restorations one is oh, is, is really good. I think good like um John gets really excited in the in in the audio tree. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's moving, and it's great. That's it's, like the uh, perfect blend, like audio yeah. tree, like that, like recording nerdiness mixed with mm-hmm. like the rock nerdiness of restorations it's like right. a match made in heaven yeah i would say everybody wins there yeah for sure um, but i think those are probably my three um the intuit over it one's real good yeah um oh wait i think he's done two um i don't know yeah he has they're all good. he has yeah they're all good yeah i miss uh the nervous energy sessions they were fun yeah ryan's cool where do you what happened to him i think ryan um the, the the cool thing about these sessions, maybe not so much the audio tree sessions because they're sort of perpetual, but like the uh, the little sessions that pop up every now and again that have like ten and then are gone. Yeah. Um, pink couch sessions was a good one. No, that was also uh, Jersey, right? I I thought it Is was that... New York. I could be wrong. I, maybe yeah. I think I remember that. Yeah, village the village basement sessions were run by my friend Johnny for a while. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, what the Norse Energy ones, I love because you would do it in weird places. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one of Emperor X playing on the side of the highway. That is unreal. It's so good. That's awesome. Just him playing, like, his, I think he's playing his, like, 12-string guitar on the side of the highway. Uh, really, really good. But uh, should we talk about some uh, Rage Against the Machine? Already? Fuck what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely time. Is it really? <laughs> we're 48 minutes in. Get the fuck out of here. I, I know, honestly we're... thought we were 25 minutes. Just me and the two Andrews hanging out. I love it. All right. Uh, fine. Uh, but, uh... 
I didn't realize there were two Rage Against the Machine albums after this one. Oh, I just want to put that out there. I, I, I was talking to Scott Scherringer earlier today, though, and he was shocked that you didn't choose uh, a Pantera record. Love Pantera. Can't uh, do it now, huh? I just, uh, <laughs> you know, as far as like, 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 I don't know the massive records in my life. I feel like Pantera like doesn't really do it for me as far as like, like moving the needle in my gotcha. life, you know, gotcha. they're a bit, it's, it's mainly like, I love dime bag. Like he's one of my favorite guitar players, but like, I don't really like, I don't fuck with Phil at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I think whatever they're doing, like, now like parading around as pantera like even if it's a tribute or whatever like they shouldn't call it pantera like it doesn't have the abbott brothers and it's like a total joke to me like it it upsets me and like zach wilde should know better he was like friends with with dimebag but yeah i'm sure those are some very nice paying gigs so (laughs) i mean they're playing i was i just did something today with uh pantera they're playing um an arena here in Baltimore. And uh and I was like, I don't really want to deal with this. Everybody's like, why? Pantera's great. And I was like, do you need me to show you the clip? And so yeah. I showed them the clip, and then people were less excited about dealing with Pantera. But <laughs> yeah. Rock radio, baby. Oh it, man. It's a it's a shame. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh people out there who have made like really awesome art and yeah. are less than less than savory individuals. You honestly like does that deter you are you like i'm not gonna listen to this because i fucking hate this person it sort of depends it's it's something that like yeah it It takes it it takes the wind out of the sails a little bit yeah yeah for sure like like a good example is um i love the band daughters that was like a very like important band to me and like their singer is apparently one of the most loathsome people I've ever heard any stories about or read about. And I'm just like, Whoa, like I can never listen to this again now. Like it just like, it really like it deeply unsettled me to that point. So it's like, that's a band that I, I love and, and, and I wish I could listen to them with like no guilt in the back of my mind, but I, I just, can't now i've i've heard from close sources that other people in that band are not great either so damn <laughs> oh but that uh that one that last record was wild uh, that yeah <laughs> i saw them i saw them like twice around that tour so the first time was like like right before the record came out and it was in this little place called the yucca tap room in phoenix okay. like maybe 150 capacity place big chain link fence separating the uh under 21 side from the wow. yeah love it. like it was fucking amazing and loma opened and the body wow. played it was a Holy crazy shit. crazy Incredible. show I yeah. like, right now. like the only um, bands that would like stand up to that that's wild yeah it was an um, incredible show and i walked away like oh my god like i need to practice guitar <laughs> <laughs> i need to make my guitar not sound like a guitar anymore. Yeah. Which, hey, this is a great speak, record to talk about speaking that. Speaking of which, so, <laughs> yeah. all right, so this is 
Rage Against the Machine Evil Empire came out Sophomore in what, 96? Yeah, 96? Andy, how how 96. old are you? When when did this come out for you? I was I was a child. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like literally 6 years old. Like this isn't Oh, okay. It it can't, it can't be about like you know when it came out cuz I Okay. I didn't know when it came out. Like I was probably very concerned with like Power Rangers or something or Ninja yeah. Turtles. But so I have, I have some core memories of when when this came out for me because I was in fourth grade. I think mm-hmm. my family had just moved, and I was starting a new school, and I would go to my cousin's house to then take the bus with him. Mm-hmm. And his older brother had just gotten this record, and we were like listening to it in their basement, like next to like while playing like Mario Kart before the like on N sixty four before the <laughs> school bus came. Yeah, and I remember hearing it and like hearing bulls on parade for the first time be like holy shit <laughs> yeah yeah uh so yeah you you kind of discovered it later then yeah i mean and and as i said like my parents had a lot of like rock music playing in the house growing up so this you know rage against the machine like w- was a band that i heard like as a child you know like listening to the radio or whatever um i want to say like maybe around like like fifth or sixth like maybe the summer before i started like middle school or something um i had i don't know maybe like best buy or circuit city or like some sort of like gift card to like a store that sold cds and so i got that cd i got deftones white pony this had to be like oh, around wow. 2000 or 2001 uh white pony uh lincoln park uh you know hybrid theory like i got all those cds around the same time because that was like what was popular on the radio and i think i got the uh evil empire because i thought that um uh i thought that sleep now in the fire was on that record Mm. is that that album was the more recent one Mm -hmm. and i'll just never forget like hearing the the opening of people of the sun and he's like playing with the allen key mm-hmm. on the guitar strings which oh, i didn't yeah. know at the time but hearing that i was like whoa what is this and like reading the liner notes and it says like you know no synthesizer was used like all real instruments blah 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 like they oh, yeah, made yeah. It like a, yeah, a real he, big point to see he's making he's doing turntablism on the on the guitar yeah yeah and like i just thought that was the coolest thing ever i was like completely blown away like tom Morello's guitar playing is like uh, you know tied for the number one reason why i wanted to play guitar in the first wow. place the other is uh, gossard mccready uh not really because when i was younger i like sort of resented pearl jam i thought they were annoying Oof. what a missed opportunity yeah i was just like i I, don't, I I I couldn't stand how much my my mom loved them, and now I'm, I'm a fool because I'll talk to her about like B sides like all day long. But um, yeah, like Tom Morello's guitar playing, and also like Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing, like er, it, mix eruption with like you know any whammy pedal like noisy like effects guitar solo that Tom Morello did, and I was like, okay, like. I need to be able to do that. Like that's what I want to dedicate like all my time to. I, I was I about love to that. bring that up. 
Did you ever own a Digitech Whammy 2 pedal? I have a, I had a, a Whammy 4 for a while. I always wanted one. Uh, yeah, sick pedal. Um, I had like all sorts of different pitch shifters before Boss PS6, Boss PS5. Uh, the Whammy is definitely like the one that has like the most unique sound of, of those kind of pitch shifters. And yeah, I <laughs> recently, when we were recording the pool stuff, we used a Whammy pedal for like some dive bomb kind of sounds. And uh, I was like, fuck, man, I need to buy one again. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I need it. Like, I don't want it. I need it. Yeah. Has it happened but, yeah, yet? Like, have you made the dream happen? <laughs> no, no, which is you know, a, a problem. I have, I have a friend who works at Reverb. We could get this hooked up real quick. We, we got we to gotta figure that out. <laughs> we need a good, we'll drop the GoFundMe link. We'll, uh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, did you did you see that meme that was going around not too long ago about uh, Tom Morello's masterclass? And it's just it's oh just him. God. It's just him tapping oh, the yeah. like uh, oh, the quarter inch the quarter table inch against to his, his palm, and it just says Tom Morello masterclass taking the piss. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's ridiculous. Because it, so if, if you like really think about it, like a lot of those like genius like outside of the box ideas on the surface are very stupid sounding yeah. they look stupid they like just the uh, like really you're not gonna like write a guitar solo you're not gonna like use your your knowledge of the fretboard that you obviously like he can fucking play the guitar you know yeah. what i mean he plays sure. uh great he's a great guitar player but you know that whole thing like you know yeah that oh my god he's doing is, it it's it's <laughs> weird and that's i feel like that's the frustrating part is that like later rage against the machine albums what you trade in like oh i'm gonna hate myself for saying this but like what you trade in like sincerity and like i don't know and not that not that they don't mean it but like you get you get great riffs from Tom later. You know what I mean? Like the sleeping yeah. on the fire intro riff is yeah. so fucking good. Um yeah. and not to say that like these riffs aren't, but like there's a couple times on this record where you're like, did they already do this riff in another song? Like when you listen to the end of the record, like Roll Right and Year the Boomerang, like those two uh verses are very like very they're similar. similar to one yeah. one another which is and, fine you know what i mean like it's called having yeah. a style and i understand yeah. that but like yeah i don't know um i i get what you mean though there's there's a lot of if you listen to the first audio slave record there's a lot of riffs where you know somebody could say like oh well that's just like that's tom morello doing a rage against the machine mm -hmm. like leftover riff you know well, i mean that band but, was just all the same people Minus Zach, minus Zach, yeah, Chris Cornell, right? Yeah, was yeah. that band bigger? Uh, Not bigger, I but they had like... a moment. That first record was huge because it, yeah. like... it was the era of the kind of rock supergroup, kind of a little bit. Because like at the same time, like Velvet Revolver was out at the same time. Yeah, and but can we can we say can we all admit that Cochise is a killer song? That first yeah. Audio Slave single. I there's there's a ton of great songs on that that first audio slave record like i will i'm a, a butt rock apologist like <laughs> i i think 
you know, Christine and I literally listened to Stained for like three hours the other day. Like, we we can get down with some fucking dumb, dumb rock music. But yeah, Cochise is sick. Uh, Show Me How to Live is a really good song. Like, I love Chris Cornell. So hearing him sing over like those like fat, you know, Amarillo, Brad Wilk, uh, Tim Comerford, like grooves. It, it was cool. You don't call him Tim Especially, Mom? What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> or why Y2 Tim or whatever? Yeah. He has God, what a so, cool, so what a many cool like guy monitors. With such, with such weird tattoos. Um, yeah. Questionable. Wait, wait, what are his tattoos? I'm not familiar. He's got like some like Polynesian kind of yeah. tribal oh, oh, okay. tats. You know. <laughs> Can't get mad. I mean, uh, was of the era. Um, yeah. Dan, why did you hate this record? <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> and I didn't even mention my thoughts on this record to you. You always, you always try, though, and I got to give you an A for effort on that. Every yeah, I don't time. know. This, the, Rage Against the Machine was never... It was always a band that was around. They were, they're in <clears throat> rock canon forever. That's indisputable. They got a... They were inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year, so you know it's got to be real. Really? This year? This year, yeah. Yeah. Did any of them show up? I think they did a reunion, yeah. Just huh. just Tom Morello showed up. <laughs> it's just him. The other guy uh, <laughs> climbed the, the rafters above the uh, above the podium. Do you remember you, that? I remember yeah. watching that in real time. I watched that live. Same. And then, Same. Uh, that was incredible. Fred Durst was That was when everyone shocked. watched TV. Mm-hmm. Fred Durst like, was Everyone watched the same things. Uh, but yeah, it, like I said, I have that core memory of, of like listening to it, like in my cousin's basement. And like, that's a, that's like a musical memory that sticks with you. It's like this yeah. weird time and place thing, listening to something that was like way over my head in terms of, uh, just musical references and political references for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just love that. Like, you know, we'll rally around the family with a pocket full of shells is like the coolest, hardest lyric I'd ever heard in my life at that yeah. point. And uh, yeah, it, it, that kind of stuff. But then listening to this record in full for the first time, probably since then, <laughs> um, you know, like uh, all the, the the hits are ubiquitous. You've heard them forever, you know. But listening to some of the kind of lesser known tracks on this record, or at least lesser. Um, singles tracks. There's some good stuff on here. Some of it falls a little more hip hop and funk than I prefer. The funk stuff I could do without. But when this stuff sorry. hits, it sorry, hits sorry, 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 sorry. You're saying there's you perceive funk on this record? There's definitely like groove on it for sure. Hmm. There's like there's some funky bass lines in this record. Oh, oh, he, Tim gets funky, Dan. <laughs> okay, then why are you <laughs> arguing with me? If you if you know just how funky now, Tim I can just be, don't, I don't know. I don't know that I would choose those words, but I live your truth, my man. <laughs> thank you. As long as I'm I'm being seen, uh, thank you for seeing me uh, and invalidating my lived experiences. Um, no, I, I I think it's just there's a lot of stuff that listening to it now might have come a little late you know but if i if i was like mm-hmm. like you know rage against the machine was on like the tony hawk game so like you heard gorilla radio a thousand times yeah um from the from the that was the record that came after this i think battle for los angeles uh yeah battle of los angeles yeah yeah but i think that's 99 if okay. i'm not mistaken yeah so they're ubiquitous they've been around forever it's just 
for me it never clicked at the right time mm. you know like of that mm, of mm, those mm, records mm. that you bought that you mentioned like lincoln park was like the lane i chose at that point in my life mm-hmm. uh like i didn't listen to the deftones until way later mm. this kind of passed me over a little bit i always love the album art though the album yeah. art for this record is sick and like super iconic did you read the That's story awesome. about the album art it's some comic, right? It's like so. No, so the the dude who painted it painted it for the kid in the picture who was okay. like eleven years old at the time. Yeah, painted this kid into Crime Busters comic. Bust- comic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I read an interview. Their... I read an interview with the kid, the grown up today, okay. where he's okay. like, yeah, "I don't even like the band." And I was like, "That's sick. I like that." Uh, see, I'm curious how the, the band got their greasy paws all over that child's gift. Um, I think they were looking through uh, the a book of the artist, whoever okay. the artist was. I don't gotcha. remember his name. Um, look, man, I was. 15 in april of 1996 when this came out and, it and was you were a communist as well right huge. at that time oh yeah i mean <laughs> anyway uh i remember buying it at the wall uh my Classic. high school girlfriend and i went and not high school I, that was like right was i in high school 15 high, high school, school yeah freshman sophomore um we're at the mall. We went and, you know, it was a, I was a mall rat at this mall, so I knew where all the places you would go. It was, it's hey, not hey, quite the Melbourne Square Mall, if you hey, know what fu- I'm saying. Yeah. I'll show you. I'll show you where they got CDs. I know. I know. everything. Uh, no, there was a there was a place. There was like a, a rarely used entrance that we sat at and listened to this record in full. Um, it's good. I like the record. Uh, it it just doesn't have the teeth that the that the self titled does. I feel like if the the teeth for me is less in like. I feel like lyrically, it like is maybe a step behind the first record and a step behind the record that follows. But mm. there's something about like the guitar playing on it that is just like so ferocious and it it just like it really like altered the trajectory of my life which uh, as ridiculous as that sounds like this album you know as i mentioned like deftones like i i liked uh, like metal at the time too like metallica megadeth whatever like that sort of stuff but i just like i wanted to like be able to make those sounds that were so out of the box they were so like grating and just nasty you know and i feel like that's where this record really shines like it feels like a band is just like playing in a room as opposed to like this very meticulously crafted i don't know i I don't want to say like a fake thing because there are plenty of amazing records that sound like every single note is like a pristine you know precious thing but yeah, it just has like this this rawness that I really gravitated towards and like I still feel like when I'm playing I want to um I don't know, I want to like put that in in my guitar styling as well, you know. I'll say the first record um felt a lot more like being angry and just swinging in the dark, just like mm. blind anger. Um 
it's weird that you say that. I felt like Zach's lyrics are really good on this record. In a no, way, they're definitely that, like, good. I think later on it sort of loses me. Um, the and 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 again the 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 first record it's just you know feels like blind anger. You know what I mean? There's a lot of yeah. really great like social things yeah. that I learned about from that first record. But I think that like as far as like combining like a it, you know this record was one of the first opportunities I I was like really skeptical of the country I lived in. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And like I think that. As, as a teenager like there's a moment that's like paramount you know what i mean like yeah it's the moment you start seeing your parents as like human beings you know what i mean yeah. you start seeing like yeah. your teachers as not necessarily authority figures and mm-hmm. none of that was all tied up in this record but i think that like i get the sentiment though right like it, it makes sense because you know i, I don't know i like to think that i have like progressive ideals you know as far as like my own political leanings and stuff but this record probably had a a very similar effect Mm -hmm. on me as it did with you is that like it it planted the seed of radicalization you know Um, like yeah it's nice it's nice to have me i mean like i don't know before uh before piebald, I don't know that I knew who Marcus Garvey was. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, in the same way that, like, I probably didn't know who Fred Hampton was before this record. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of it's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really specific things he talks about on this. Record. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, they're a deep band, you yeah. know, like as. Mm-hmm as you know simplistic as they can be like they're it's like big brain shit kind of masked by this like oddly familiar sound you know yeah well in the in the uh liner notes of the album is just like a photo of a pile of books all these like 24 real like socially focused books of of different stuff, uh, right? I like think James that's Baldwin the first stuff, it, and I think it's the first place I ever found out where who's Howard Zinn was. Yeah, I think yeah, I went the, and bought Zinn people's history. Yeah, 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 I I forgot. Yeah, I, learned, I annoyed every teacher in high school with that book. Yeah, yeah. I, I learned about Howard Zinn through the the No Effect song Franco Un-American. Mm, interesting <laughs> from the War on Errorism record. Just saw them for the first time like a month ago. Oh wow, how was it? Give me a scene Fucking report. Awesome. It was awesome. They're still a really good live band. It's pretty crazy. They, they said things in between songs that would have most people shot. It was <laughs> it was psychotic, but Do it was, you, you know, they were, it was that, canceled that's for a while. Shit, so. Yeah, but did, haven't you, I mean, wait, who, Fat Mike was canceled for a while? Yeah, because he said uh, after the Las Vegas shooting, he was like, oh, at least they're, they were like at least it was like country music or something he got he got uh yeah he he got like boycotted from a lot of places and i saw him at that time i bumped into him on the street of new york during fashion week and i was like oh shit mike can i get a photo and he was like yeah yeah get in here and i was like no no i just want to like take a photo of you and then he i have this picture of him just like with his gut out and his like chin scrunched up and he looks very very uh depressed (laughs) he um i 
I watched part of I get fed his reels all the time. Oh, interesting. Um, he has a podcast. It seems fucking insufferable, but <laughs> he was talking about a band. And I don't remember who the band was that got like massively huge. And he's like, I wrote that song and they didn't credit me. Like I wrote the whole album and they didn't credit oh me. And I was like, hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> wow. Jeez. But yeah. anyway, so uh, here's my here's my big question. I we'll talk specifics, I guess, if you really want to, but um I I've always felt like nobody talks enough about like Rage Against the Machines um social and cultural stand while also being like a part of it huge band. Yeah, like a massive, massive band. Yeah, there's a lot of I I feel like recently it it's been discussed a little bit, especially like I I mean like very recently because Mm -hmm. of like the the rock and roll. Uh, Hall of Fame induction. Mm. I feel like I've seen a little bit of, shall we say, discourse concerning, mm. like, you know, like the fact that Tom Morello lives in like a gated community that's like in the Hollywood Hills. And if you go on Google Maps, there's like three Range Rovers and a couple Porsche automobiles in the, sure. in the driveway. And, you know, like they're clearly, they're wealthy individuals. Like they yeah. are they are not free of like the you know consumerism the, the yeah consumerism and like they technically are the one percent you know what i mean they mm-hmm. might even be like the one percent of the one percent because right. they're worth tens of millions of dollars each of but, musicians for sure especially yeah, like alternative yeah. musicians yeah who whose whole thing is like you know question authority like question the way that our society is built and i think you know think it's, every record they put out was on a major like their first record was on oh, epic yeah. or whatever right yeah, yeah. and that's what yeah. i feel like that's what the weird thing was because around that time like you were a sellout you know what I mean and that that was like a that was a huge term um yeah especially with, with the them. you know what zach coming from the hardcore scene and whatnot right. yeah so um, yeah i don't know yeah it's, it, it is yeah, interesting. Talk, talk. I, I was reading about how they, uh, yeah, they, they, their reasoning for going to a major label was apparently that the label allowed them to do everything they asked. They were like, they met all of our demands and gave us creative freedom. But I don't know. I guess, I guess they can argue that's like, well, they had the ability to give us a larger platform. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and it's true. There's yeah, so many social things I never would have known about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's that's where you know people kind of get lost in the argument is that who else was saying those things? You yeah. know what I mean? Who else with their platform was saying those things? And you know, it's it, it's not their fault that everyone bought the the CD. You know, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> like, and they they put their money or they they put their money where their mouth is. I think there's a lot of money that was donated from, you know, from the last tour that they did, which I, I saw last year. It was my first time seeing them. And it was without a doubt, one of the 10 best concerts I've ever been to. Yeah. Uh, Zach 
tore his like ACL or MC or Achilles or something. He, he was seated for like two thirds of the tour. Mm. Uh, and it's not like, you know, he wasn't like Dave Grohl in like a fucking automated throne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. throne. He was sitting on a fucking road case, like at the front of the stage. And he was going harder sitting down than most like front people do standing up. It was a thing to behold. It was That's fucking cool. awesome. And, you know, they, they don't shy away from like using like the, the imagery that they, that they speak about in their lyrics, like as part of the show. And, you know, they, they had everybody in the crowd, like in the palm of their hand, they kind of like, you know, this was at MSG. So what are we talking like 18,000 people or 19,000 people, whatever, like the sellout capacity is at MSG, like. If he was like, we're marching down to fucking Wall Street, or we're marching yeah, down we're to, tear to DC, like, down. like yeah. people would like eighty percent of that audience, myself included, would have been like, we're fucking burning shit down Hell tonight. Yeah. Like yeah. it was just like, it was this this thing that that like had such like an emotional grasp on everybody. It was yes. fucking incredible. Also, Tom like he was playing like impromptu solos in the songs. And I was like this, like I'm witnessing like a guitar hero right now. It was just like crazy. Man. Especially like, like, as I said, like I've been listening to this band almost my whole life. You know, he, Tom was like a major, major reason why I even pursued like playing music in any capacity. So to like be standing there when they're playing, like, know your enemy and freedom and Mm. you know uh i can't remember if they played down rodeo or not but they played they played a few songs off evil evil empire but it was just like uh, it was a moment that will stay with me for for many years i love it i i saw them once uh when i was in high school they played with um wu-tang oh shit Awesome. It was yeah, it was great, except for awesome. like Wu Tang was fucking terrible. There really? was like, yeah, half half the members showed up and it wasn't even the members you wanted. It was like you uh, god and fucking no, no ODB. <laughs> no. I ODB uh, wasn't there. I don't think Ghostface was there. Damn. Um Red and Meth weren't there. I feel damn. like I feel like Wu Tang is literally just the Rizza and then the other people who like if the Rizza's there, it's a Wu Tang show. And then all the other cursory members <laughs> show up. Wow, cursory members, Dan. You know, well, yeah. Would you? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I say. Do you think you got as as like the the big the big member of the of Wu-Tang? Oh my god, no. Have you ever listened or to the, the, the you got solo record? Was it a chef would, uh... or whatever? Raekwon. Raekwon the chef. Raekwon is dope. Come on. I like I like Ghostface. I used to listen to. Uh fish scale when i was delivering Love pizzas it. oh my <laughs> god when i it's funny when i delivered pizzas i listened to a lot of grave diggers so nice i'm in um dan why do you hate this record <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna ask us what our what our peaks and valleys were what are some of our faves what are some of our skips if there are any skips yeah there's a skip uh Personally, I think my favorite songs are Snake Charmer and Down Rodeo. Wow. Great songs. Uh, Down Rodeo is might be the best song on the record, I think. I 100% um, agree. 
Okay. Wow. I don't I think I've ever agreed like that before. I do. And I and I, I was gonna say those two songs are my favorite songs on wow. the record. I okay. think Tim's standout performance in the the Rage Against the Machine discography is him playing on Snake Charmer. Yeah, and the the drum intro and then that groove for the chorus is so just good. Ridiculous. It makes me do the like John Mayer like old man blues face. <laughs> I love it. I love it. My mustache just appears to my lip. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think. Uh, yeah. Downward Ayo, The the lyrics of that are just so pointed and so angry. So good. And yeah. It's just. Oh, it's so good. So the only good. song I skip is Vietnam. Really? Yeah. You can miss me with that. I I I think it's funny because there was like a total time where me and my friends would just be like, "Hey." Uh, Turn this on. Ah, fuck it. Now turn it off. <laughs> like it's just such a funny line. It's just like, hey, turn on this radio. Nah, fuck it. Turn it off. It's just like such a weird line. But it's just a very funny thing to say. Yeah. Andy, are there any swings and misses for you on this? Uh, I gotta say, like I, I do like listening back to it, and you know, historically, uh, I feel like the tail end of the record does kind of get like a little loose and I don't know, it's just not as focused mm-hmm. down Rodeo. I will agree with you guys. Uh, it's not my favorite song on the record, but I think it's the best song on the record. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. If I had to like show somebody like what rage against the machine was, I would play them down Rodeo. And that's... So, like it, it kind of has it all. It has like yeah. the weird guitar turntable thing with the. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has that. It has like a a good groove. Um, the lyrics are so fucking angry. Like rolling down Rodeo with a shotgun. These people ain't seen a brown skinned man since their grandparents bought one. Like unreal. Yeah. That, are you kidding me? That is so good. Fucking crazy. Um, I love. Uh, like the whole like middle section, like revolver, snake charmer, tire me, down rodeo, mm-hmm. like that's that's just like slammer, slammer, slammer all yeah. in a row. Uh love people of the sun, bulls on parade, like you can't not bob your head when that song starts. Like first snare hit, like you're already locked in. It's yeah. it's awesome. so, I the only thing that ever made that awful was having to go to any music store around that time and hear people just play that octave oh yeah it's such a yeah i and here's the thing is that like so much of this record is or so much of like i don't know there's nothing this is I hope nobody's offended, but I'm not calling them shitty musicians by any means. So, but I feel like a lot of this stuff is like easy for somebody who's been playing guitar two years, three, you know what I mean? Not very hundred percent to be able to like riff on, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's, I think that like as a musician, or at least like as somebody that wants to be a songwriter or like wants to play music, it's a really good like primer for playing you know with people sort of yeah because you get into a groove and it doesn't really and the other thing about this record is when 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 timor can i call him timor i don't want to call him tom morello when timor um starts playing (laughs) big t um 
he when T Bird starts playing, um, <laughs> there's Daddy. no there's no like other guitar that comes in to like fill the space. So it's just like Brad and Tim, like bono, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's just scratching. And I think that's cool. I think that's something that like doesn't happen in pop music, you know? Yeah. Not that this is pop. Ah, it's pop music. You can call this pop music. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh the guitar. I'm really like a love hate relationship with the guitar because mm -hmm. there is certain stuff that, it's good and it's heavy and it's metallic and there's other stuff that just sounds so like almost like peter frampton talk boxy the mm. way he's he's <laughs> i have a i have a vendetta against flange it's been become a a kind of running thing on this podcast but he some of the stuff is just a bit too flanged out it's a little wacky shifted a little too much but I, I, especially i don't know it's i respect your opinion i appreciate that uh yeah, it's it's so I like do it, to a point. <laughs> you're you're you just have to be contrarian because you're the co-host. That's just how the the dynamic Thanks. works. But yeah, I, I feel like there's stuff that's like really good and stuff that really kind of it's like ah, it's, I kind of like when the guitar sounds like a guitar in certain cases, yeah. especially when there isn't really another guitar sounding like a guitar to mm -hmm. accompany it. Are so they in no overdubs band? Not for vocals. I don't think on, there's there's got to be like on, a dozen vocal tracks on all sure. of his on on Zach's uh, lines. There's certain stuff that's just he's in a chorus of himself. Uh, yeah, which I feel again, like what, this... what, what what is his accent? It's very specific. It's L.A. I know. It's I know it's L.A. Law. But, but it's it's uh, <laughs> he puts this weird affect on his voice. That's again, it, it plays well until it doesn't sometimes. Hmm. It feels like his mouth is loose. Like it feels like his tongue is like swinging out of his mouth when he says some I think, of these I words. I think everything about the rude. band is like <laughs> loose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the drums, like it, like everything that grooves is loose. Like you can't, yeah. you can't have that like head bobbing, you know, feel without being a little like the sloppiness is engaged, like four or five percent you know what yeah. i mean like yeah, it's not perfect yeah this is definitely not quantized like if you yeah yeah if you try to set this to a click i don't think it would be very effective no no or yeah. which is, i don't know it's probably really you know weird. some some music like shouldn't you know sure yeah. well there, there's uh, stuff like uh was it the guitar on year of the boomerang where it just it sounds like someone's scraping a fork on a plate it's mm. like so metallic and jarring a little bit but I mean that 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 song's a good way to end the record. I feel I feel like it's a pretty good ender. Was uh, was freedom the ender on the self titled record? Ooh, that's the a first good one. Question. Let me check. I don't I don't have that CD in front of me. I do have Evil Empire in front of me. My original, oh. like twenty something year old, amazing CD. Yeah, uh, Freedom is the last track on the first record. Yeah, that's one of the best closing tracks on any album ever. So very tough to like follow up, I guess. But mm -hmm. I, again, like I didn't, I didn't know what the track listing was when I was a kid. I probably yeah. just like downloaded it off LimeWire and gave my family computer a virus or something. Perfect. I like I I'll never forget the first time I heard Bomb Track. The first time somebody put it on in a car, and I was just like blew my what the fuck is this this is the best yeah. thing i've ever heard 
um that's on one of the, the first the- things oh you, you go first please no i would say on the way to the skate park like as you oh, should yeah this is good yeah. skate park music same with like that Lincoln yeah. park hybrid theory was like again another core memory of me like putting in a burned copy that someone from my church youth group gave me mm-hmm. with like a stick on label that like got jammed in the CD player sometimes mm-hmm. and uh, like listening to it in my dad's truck on the way to like the skate park. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in the zone. I think what's cool about this music is that it's very like, because it has like the rap element, mm-hmm. like it's very wide reaching. Like they cast yeah. a very big net and you know, it it can appeal to skaters of all types. It appeals to like music lovers of all types, and I I think there's like something really special and like you know it's something to respect about a, a group that can like bring together like very clashing elements and yeah. make it something that's like super cohesive, and it feels like it it was like supposed to happen as opposed mm. to like being forced to happen. Yeah. And that, that is interesting kind of putting it to the other, cause like uh, rap metal was huge at this time. And yeah. there was that whole era of, I mean, you had Lincoln park doing that. You had Limp Bizkit doing that in a, in a different kind of way. Corn mm-hmm. doing that at the same time, Slipknot at the same time. Like, yeah. And they all different flavors too. Like, yeah, but they, and, and some flavors were tastier than others. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> but the, there's only one of them doing the turntable sounds on the guitar. So, yep. Yeah. You know, every single time I, I tried to paint that as like, man, I wish he wouldn't do that so much. Or man, I wish, man, I wish this was like more interesting. I'm like, every fucking album I listened to today had a guitar in it. Yeah, you know what I mean, and this is the yeah. only one that didn't sound like a guitar. So, like, mm. really, I'm the fool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there's also some uh, maybe my favorite lyric off this record uh, is in Bolt on Parade when he says, "Get the fuck up off the commode." I think it's very funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like to be so yeah. angry, do and the then... shit like Dayla. Oh, um, <laughs> I think oh, my man. favorite line on this record is. Uh, uh, where is it? Did I get rid of it? I guess so. Wow. Oh, in Vietnam, it was the only thing that saved Vietnam for me is the very end where he starts singing. Uh, um, is all the world jails and churches? Mm. Yeah, that's like, a good that's line. sick. Um, yeah. uh, the only other thing I have to say is that uh, I think there's a lot of um. There's a lot of Led Zeppelin um, Dude, tribute on this record. Oh, yeah. I've been saying that about Tom Morello for so long. Yeah. And I like, think the I, riffs are yeah. very Jimmy Page. Yeah. I think completely. And the drum, I mean, like a lot of it coming together is because a lot of people said that about uh, that like second cult, that third Coalesce record. Everybody mm. was like, this sounds like. Led Zeppelin, but like this actually sounds like Led Zeppelin, yeah. sort of. I think I think it's in Vietnam. I was I was looking through. It might have been on like Genius or something, and they said that it actually kind of takes a riff from the Wanton song mm. by by Led Zeppelin. Like they Love actually kind of like co op the riff. Love so it. you're you're very correct. <sighs> Thank you. I think it's, first time. it's uh like to get like 
music nerdy about it. It's the fact that they they use a lot of that like blues scale, like mm. when you add like the chromatics in between the pentatonic notes or like in between like a pentatonic scale when you add the chromatic notes it's like a uh, that was a huge thing that that jimmy page did and tom morello is like taking that school and like graduating you know uh with honors <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy <laughs> teaching a master class if I'll you will. Say, yeah, yeah. Um, i'll have to get the master class yeah, you know what's insane i've played guitar for 30 years and i don't know what the fuck you just said <laughs> Um, is, I love ta- it. is tab crawler still a website <laughs> yeah. that's, that's how i know how to play any song yeah U- ultimate guitar for me ultimate oh. dash guitar oh yeah that was a good one too Damn. i still guitar- go there for uh for for uh like guitar world type news every yeah. now and then like once every six months i yeah, check so in is, is there still a, a thriving tablature community out there yeah, I mean, I think are so. there thirteen-year-olds learning how to play rock music? Yeah, I mean, because I, when I thought I was gonna play guitar again over the pandemic, I, uh, I was trying to find tabs for all my favorite songs, and I couldn't find them. Yeah, tabs are sort of sick. Uh, even yeah, then, like I don't have time. For it's a great wrong, way to not have to learn about learn music theory. It's great. Uh, yeah. But all the all the music I was trying to learn was all like seven string guitar bullshit. I'm like, well, I have a th- six string guitar, so I'm kind of <laughs> so well. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, maybe how, I won't like... write the the doom the doom record of the COVID season. <laughs> uh, actually, I actually took my guitar back to my parents' house to like put it in storage. So the the dream is dead yet again. My Jackson Dinky that never never nice. i set it up twice and it never stayed in tune <laughs> some guitars just don't i've had yeah. like very nice guitars that you know they're just so finicky with like the weather and stuff it just what's your what's your arsenal no I've, been, I've been watching a lot of earthquaker uh show us your junk oh, videos the, the nick oh, reinhardt ones is insane the nick reinhardt one's yeah. fantastic love those videos uh yeah i play um music man guitars now that's like Ooh. the uh here i'll show you i've got uh, a a couple albert lee model guitars Ugh. oh these are nice so these are pretty cool i got this one in like 2019 and uh just like kind of on a whim i wanted something that was like traditional ish like fender scale and fender mm-hmm. style with like the the bolt-on neck. Oh yeah. But I just I didn't want a strat. I was like, give me something that looks like somebody stat on a strat and like compressed <laughs> it and made it very like Yeah, that's perfect. The music band stuff I feel like is is great. Like the music I was uh actually talking to Andrew the other day and I walked past a music store in my neighborhood who failed to set up my guitar twice. Uh and uh they had a big like a classic Fender Music Man bass with the, the the egg pick guard and the giant humbucker yeah. and I'm like, oh it's the such stingrays? a classic Yeah, the stingray. Yeah. yeah, the stingray. I liked that everybody for a little bit was using Music Man amps. I don't know yeah. why I just like think of Lemuria when I think of Music Man yeah. amps. But yeah. Kashina played one, but Yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're they're very high quality mm. and relatively inexpensive. No, not like anymore. They're like a fortune now. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like the like guitar, the way like prices of like guitar stuff fluctuates is yeah. baffling to me. I've like sort of switched away from like tube 
amps and stuff. Like I, I still have a bunch. Like that's what I will always record with, and I'll record with real pedals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I use like a like a Line Six digital modeler now. So oh, yeah. Helix. Pod. Oh, I wish and, it was a pod. Uh, it, it's crazy. Like I remember when the pod came out, it was like the worst fucking sounding thing, and and like Line Six was a joke and. You know, everybody has a meme about like the Line Six Spider Two combo oh, yeah. amp. Yeah, and the that insane, insane channel. Insane baby. channel. I want and to buy one so bad, just because I feel it, like that's like a sound I miss now. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I I saw Converge play last year, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go. Like I want to see what what Kurt is using because he always has the best guitar tone, mm-hmm. and he was using a fucking Line Six like Helix floorboard, like just like I have now. And I was mad. I was actually like pissed <laughs> off about it. It's like, this is fucking bullshit. Like this guy, like he makes guitars, he makes pedals. He has yeah. like custom amps. He has like, you know, if you look at the, the photos of God city and stuff, it's just like wall to wall, like boutique and vintage amps. And yep. like, obviously all that stuff is still used for when he's making records. But I just, I, I was not a believer until they started playing. They opened with, a. Uh, that song i think it's plagues whichever one is on no heroes that starts with just guitar for like mm-hmm. a full minute and a half and he's just chug- chugging away uh, like within 10 seconds of hearing that i was like i need to buy one of those yeah <laughs> like hey. i i don't i don't want it i need it <laughs> i uh Back when I was in my metalcore band i had the 500 dollars musician's friend like randall half stack and that thing is great that thing, I gigged that thing for like three years and then sold it for like $100 more than I paid for it. Hell and yeah. The thing never gave me problems. Uh, the gain channel on it, I never need like an additional distortion pedal to play like heavy, like drop C, yeah. you know, chug, chug, chug. And uh, yeah, no issue at all. And, you know, everyone else had, and at the time I was working at a grocery store and driving a Firebird where half of my grocery store paycheck went into the gas tank and I couldn't <laughs> fathom buying an orange amp or something, you know? Yeah, or, uh, or and, like, a everything felt so far out of reach at that time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. And it just, it just worked. I never had to worry about it. All my guitars broke all the time. I broke a string it's, every show. It's uh, funny. The last amp that i owned until recently i i I recently got a uh an electro harmonics uh like the mig 50 reissue oh sick um haven't plugged it in still in the box at my desk at work because i'm i i don't want i that's called condition baby yeah um (laughs) but the last the last amp the last amp i had was a was an ac30 that i sold to tanner yep at fest yep Wow. And that was it. it uh, got got a lot of miles out of that amp too. I don't know if he still has it or not, but wow. yeah, I'd be rude if he didn't try to sell it back to Andrew. Would it be? Yeah, that's 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 the rule, right? That's like the rule. whoever you wh- whoever you got the deal from, you got to right like of first at least refusal. offer. Yeah. Is that yeah. true? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I always wanted. Huh. Um, I always wanted a fifty-one fifty. That was my dream amp. Best high gain amp there is. So good, really? So good. I, I really think so. Like, you know, even the even the like, re- the sixty five oh fives are fantastic too. They're great. There's a lot of like cool amps out there. They're like high gain monsters. You know, you've got your 
your Bogners, your Angles, your like Soldano, like all that stuff is amazing. Hot rotted Marshalls, like the Crankenstein is like it just has a thing that that those amps like kind of lack as far as uh like the percussive nature of what you're able to get out of it. It's just yeah, it's just stick. So Eddie so Van much, Halen, dude. Yeah, hell yeah. So much of my musical gear admiration came from like the drive-through records dvds uh, and, so and there was this weird wrong. time where all the drive-through bands played strats with perloid pick guards and one like active uh, humbucker in the bridge and that was it and they all played through 5150s or if you were like a heavier band like fincher senses fail you had a mesa tri- triple rectifier and those were the those were the two pathways <laughs> It's it kind of crazy. Like, I remember going to shows that were like just in, you know, DIY spaces where the bands would bring in like full stacks. Yeah. And I oh, think about saying, it now. Right? I think about it now sometimes that I'm like, like if somebody did that at a show, I would like try to like make sure that they didn't get to play. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> no, I agree with you. I don't know. There's like cer- there's certain things that like if they happened now, I would, I would make a fucking like, Scene about you know, honestly i think a 412 is too much for yeah, almost every single place you it's it funny that the the renaissance yeah. of small amps like the the 212 combo world like people just playing like a fender deluxe you know yeah, yeah. and yeah uh, I, I love a humble stack to like stack. yeah like like two uh like two fender princetons on top of each other Ooh, love that, that. Nice. Yeah. i like a that's good, just um, awesome a good uh the hot rod deville the 410 mm. yeah on top of solid. a one, on top of a 112 extension cab it's everything you need maybe yeah. i don't know I don't yeah i want to i want a parker fly guitar god who doesn't <laughs> i want jay, one just to hang on the wall jay Moz has one and i wanted to play it so bad but he didn't have it set up and didn't have any strings on it and still had blood on the pick guard from like tour 10 years previous wow the parker How much fly, are those now they're still they're not super they're, they're uh, like the high-end ones like could run you like a, a few thousand dollars I, I see that i see like yeah like they have like a slightly cheaper version and then there's like an import version. Like you can uh, get the shape. You want the one with the piezo pickup though. You need yeah, it for no yeah. reason. But uh, yeah, I just remember the guy from uh, horse, the band had it and that's what, that's what yeah. I wanted. Yeah. That's all I wanted. Parker that's fly, a... Parker fly deluxe. Yeah. You want that? You want the, the, the night fly, I think is the other one. Yeah. Ooh. If you want the cheap one, it's called like a P 44. I think um... it's like a Korean like import model yeah, but never know everyone will know and everyone will laugh yeah oh yeah here we go <laughs> a rare first year parker fly deluxe hardtail 1993 $3,500 yeah yeah that is yeah. a crazy like they were advanced bridge. guitars they were made yeah well. yeah they had like carbon fiber reinforced necks what yeah. are all those knobs for? They got all kinds of tone control, and like I said, they got the piezo pickup, so you can play like acoustically while also playing electrically. It's it's nuts. Yeah, what a what a time! We I should wrap guitars. this up. We're gonna talk. Uh, <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll we'll have you on our second podcast about gear, and we'll talk yeah, about it like we know, know what we're talking about. But uh, 
Eddie, absolute pleasure. What do you got to plug? Where can people find you? Where can people listen to your music? Oh, man. So many places. So many places. Uh, you can listen to Pool Kids' latest release. It's a split with ourselves on <laughs> That's previously Spotify mentioned. and Apple Music and, you know, wherever there's music streaming. Or you could buy our uh our self-titled second lp from last year on skeletal lightning records uh that's on their website and uh we are going on tour to japan in one month so that's what's next for pool kids and dikembe is going on tour with laura jane grace in march and that should be really fun um yeah, hopefully new music on the way soon from both bands. Uh, we're still both writing, but things are going well. So it's been yeah. a, a super fun couple years playing music. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And thanks for having me on, y'all. Of it was course. super fun. Yeah, you can follow me at Dambatini on Twitter and Instagram. Dambatini.com, my new book, When I Kill God, I Will Find the Spigot from Which He Meters Out Grace and Smash It Permanently Open, is available for pre-order now. Re- uh, release party and uh, exhibition opening at Brooklyn Film Camera December 7th, 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, it's the day before my birthday, so uh, come give me a kiss. Andrew, what do you got to plug? Um, <laughs> You're still uh, looking at Parker Flies over there. Yeah. Um, please, if you haven't, and if you're able, please uh, go to the Gradwell House page um, and or the Gradwell House Instagram page and donate to Steve's family uh, if you can, um, or just maybe share the link. Um, I can't imagine a worse thing happening. So uh, let's just keep thinking about that family and and take care of them. Hell That's yeah. all I got. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, we have a Patreon. You can totally join <laughs> if you, it. If you have money left over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But please give somebody else your money first. And then give it to us. Uh, Patreon.com slash run to the ground. Run to the ground on Instagram. Run in number two the ground on Twitter. And just been popping off on the Twitter. A little bit. Nothing good. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, you had a tweet that actually made me laugh today. The band's so nice, they named it thrice. You're such a piece of shit. Oh, no, I, I, I do have to say uh, that, that it warmed my heart when you, saying it was you, retweeted my tweet onto the, ba- onto the, the podcast one about the coffee I knew, shop. I knew that would make you happy. It made me feel um, good. It's not often you, you throw me a bone, so... We gotta get the fuck out of here. Awesome, Andy. Absolute pleasure. Everybody Take it else. easy, guys. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.